Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Suit up. Mission Impossible Fallout is 95% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one of the best action movies ever made. Showtime. Rolling Stone calls it off the charts spectacular. What is he doing? I find it best not to look. A thrillingly clever story filled with twists and turns. Target Ethan Hunt. We should be dead. Why aren't we? With an ending that will blow you away. Win or out? In. Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible Fallout. Now playing. When you PG-13 may be inappropriate for children under 13. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who is the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. We are your hosts on this edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast, where we are going to resume our battle of the boards, focusing on the defensive side of the football today and get into those big discrepancies between Kyle and and my rankings for the 2018 NFL Draft class. Kyle, welcome, and I hope you have your sword and shield ready. Yes, I'm ready for uh, the second edition of the Battle of the Boards. Uh, I'm glad we broke this up. Last year's show was really fun, but it was also really long, right? So <laughs> so to break this up into potentially two 45-minute podcasts, I think the uh, listeners will find much more consumable than an hour and 20-minute mega show. Yeah, and I needed time to recover. I needed time to bounce back. Yeah, you have to recompose yourself. My goodness, man. You put me in the spin cycle. Um, I think I've had a few days to, uh, you know, get my bearings underneath me and uh, ready to bring it here today on the defensive side of the ball. Good, good. I'm looking forward to a a fresh conversation about (laughs) the discrepancies in our boards. I don't think the defensive side is as wild as what the offensive side is. I mean, we're going to have some... Some deviations here, of course. We got three hundred guys, but um, we're gonna start with the edge class. So, Joe, let, let's go. Give me your top five edge defenders for two thousand and eighteen NFL draft. We got Bradley Chubb, number one, out of NC State. He's also my number two overall player. Harold Landry from Boston College, my number two edge, but twenty ninth overall player. Duke Ajayi, four from Wake Forest, number three. 
Marcus Davenport from Texas San Antonio, number four. And rounding out the top five is Lorenzo Carter, the edge from Georgia. And my top five edge are Bradley Chubb, Harold Landry. So far, so good. Here's where things get a little weird. Arden Key, LSU. Josh Sweat, Florida State. Agbanya Okoronkwu, number five. So, Joe, I think the biggest thing that we can take away here, if you extend past our top fives, is we by and large have the first two or three rounds pegged exactly the same. Right? Like, I'm sitting here looking at our tiers. And we have... uh, I have ones on Chubb and Landry. You have a one on Chubb, a high two on Landry. Um, I have twos on Key, Sweat, Okoronku, Davenport, Hubbard, and Ejiofor. You have twos on Ejiofor, Davenport, Hubbard, and threes on Key, Sweat, Okoronku. And uh, I have the three on Lorenzo Carter. So if you take our top, what is this, eight? Mm-hmm. Top, top eight guys. I mean, we're they all fit in the same box. It's just where we have them. Even extended past that, top ten, top ten guys for both of us are all first, second, and third. It's just sprinkled who's falling where on the board, and not a lot of deviation as far as spots on the big board. A lot of names: Carter separated by twenty-seven. Edge of four by 22, Davenport by 10 spots, Hubbard by four spots, uh, Harold Landry 15, Bradley Chubb three. Uh, the, the biggest discrepancy here in the top 10 of our edge rankings is Arden Key, somebody that uh, you've got ranked 78. I got my top 20. Yeah, so I think we should probably talk a little bit about him because mm-hmm. I, I don't not like Arden Key, and I think we both can understand the, the discrepancy between. 16 and 17 and some concerns over the athletic testing. But, Kyle, what's, uh, what's putting this, this player into the top 20 for you, and what, what, what makes him so appealing for you? Sure. I still think his ceiling is immense, and this is the luxury of what I have as an outside evaluator. I can tag him on his ceiling. I can grade him on his ceiling. I can acknowledge there's a ton of red flags here off the field, and uh, – Whoever ends up selecting him, that's going to be the massive key. And he's, no pun intended, <laughs> so key's key is how do you keep motivated? And I, I'm anticipating key's probably going to fall to the end of day two, beginning of day three, and I know that full well. But if he hits, if he gets his head screwed on straight, if he's in a locker room that's going to keep him motivated and, you know, gets him to work, he's got upside as a run defender. He's got upside as a pass rusher. you got to keep his weight stable. you got to keep him continuing to work on some of the discarding of blocks. I think the phrase you use, Joe, is shuck. Right? He's got to shuck those blocks with more consistency. But when he came in heavy in 2017, I thought he played the run well. And then you go back to 2016 – and I thought he was very, very strong as pass rusher, set the LSU single-season record. So we've seen flashes and glimpses of both sides of the coin for him where he can play the run and he can rush the passer. It's how do you get him to 
harness that ability. So I'm betting on the upside with the ranking that I have, but I think his upside, even though he didn't test great, I think he's a much better athlete than what he tested, and I don't know what the heck's going on there. And that's Again, that's a red flag. we got to figure out why is Key under 240 and testing this bad. I think he ran 485 at his pro day, and that's a yeah. pro day number. So, I mean, there's – there's some things to sort through here for sure, and I don't blame you for taking the conservative route. I'm just acknowledging the upside much more with my ranking versus you. Yeah, I mean, coming out of last year, I thought he was going to be a top 10 player. Yeah. And I thought he would beef up and he'd be a little bit better run defender, and it's like, man, <laughs> you, uh, you beefed that up, happened. you lost some of your juice. <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite. So, And then obviously the, the red flag's off the field. I, I don't know if I would actually draft him. Um, just based on that, I think he'd be somebody I'd let someone else take that chance on. But um, certainly I do recognize the upside, and to your point, I took a much more conservative approach. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Uh, other, other big about- deviations. Go ahead. Yeah, Kyle, so one player that we got to get into here on these edge defenders that we've got a big gap on is Jeff Holland, the edge from Auburn, who looks like I have him at 83 overall. You, you have him at 208 overall. And so I see a lot more in his upside, obviously, than you. And when I think about Jeff Holland, he reminds me a ton of Haloi Kikaha, the edge defender from Washington, uh, who's also had some success with the Saints, battle injuries throughout his career, but he's had a lot of good positive moments. And you know, just like Hikaha, you know, Holland's not a guy that gives you that burst, that flexibility that you really like, you really want in your edge rushers. But when you watch him on tape, man, that guy got home over and over and over again, uh, pass rushing in the SEC. And I just didn't, I saw a lot of variance in how he was able to get beat blocks inside, outside, using his hands. I think he's a very good run defender. He doesn't really get moved off his spot. He sets a very firm edge, even against offensive tackles and not just tight ends. And I know that he's not going to give you much in space and that, you know, his athletic profile is, is much more concerning at the NFL level. But I just thought I saw a guy here that was very consistent, showed a lot of variety, showed some strength. And uh, I think he's got a chance to make it in the NFL, which is just much more optimistic than you're seeing, sir. Well, I think he has a chance to make it. But my, my apprehension with with Holland is that he's not what – I was anticipating he was going to be on film at all, right? Where doesn't have length, doesn't have a great anchor in the run game. Uh, I would agree with you that he's effective as a rusher. He understands angles, and that's why I think he has a chance to make it and eventually become a uh, a productive niche player 
but this is not somebody that I, I want playing on a snap-by-snap basis because I'm not overly confident in his ability to play against the run. and he, His skill set and ability to win wasn't really predicated on flexibility. It was, it was predicated on you know a nice first step and uh, the usage of the hands at first contact. And that part will always translate. But the rest of him, I thought he was a much better athlete than that when I watched him on film. And then I go back and it's like, well, well he is kind of stiff and doesn't change directions out in space. So the the testing made me go back and rewatch, and that's, I think, how you should handle any of these situations. And I made some small adjustments in his film, but by and large, just his, his complementary metrics that I applied were terrible for him, and it really dragged him down the board where I was anticipating him being somewhere, you know, teens, Somewhere in that Kamoko Ture, Dorrance Armstrong, Kylie Fitz range, I mean, he ended up, he, he's my 23rd rated edge. I got a fifth round grade on him. So uh, I, I've just got some more questions than answers. And when I went back and watched the film, once I had the questions, I didn't really like what I saw. All right. We'll, we'll monitor that one moving forward, sir. Yeah, and the only other one we got to uh, address here, I guess, is Hercules Mata'afa, right? This is we got some, <laughs> so we got we got some discrepancy here. Uh, Mata Afa for me, I have a late fourth round value on. Uh, he's actually tied for eleventh in my edge rankings. Uh, I have him one hundred forty second overall. Joe, you have him two hundred twenty first. Mata Afa is weird. I think that's probably <laughs> the best way to describe Mata Afa. I didn't like his film all that much, really. Uh, first of all, I don't know how you can watch his film and come away with any substantial takeaways whatsoever. Just a just wild film, you know, 240-pound nose tackle. Um, but I could envision a role for him where, you know, if he's in an active front, front that likes to stand people up, move them around, a lot of NASCAR packages, a lot of stunting and twisting and, and misdirection up front for confusion and pass protection – I think his, that's his best-case scenario. But uh, I think he's never going to be anything more than a specialist. And that's, that's where these rankings get interesting. Like For example, I have Kamoko Ture uh, right in that exact same range. They're separated by like two hundredths of a point. So they're almost valued exactly the same. Um, I think Ture has the upside to be an every-down player. Mata Afa, I only want as a niche player. And I want him as a guy that's moved around, and I can't have him playing rundowns at all. But as a pass rusher, there's there's value there. If you think that that's a player that can be successful in any type of role, uh, you can justify some some valuation of that player. Where Joe seems like you're not buying my brand here, and I'm not even <laughs> saying Monhoff is my brand because he's not. He's not my cup of tea. But I had him 142nd as a niche player. You have him 221. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's going to have to completely redefine himself in the NFL, and I, I get that. You know, he did have a lot of success at Washington State, slanting and shooting gaps, and really working around and twisting stunts. And, and I just don't know if that's going to happen at the NFL level, based on his size and athletic profile. I think he's a guy that might need to to try his hand at playing Sam linebacker. Uh, yeah, I don't think he has the length or the hand technique to to play on the edge because you didn't see that in college. I mean, he. he I don't think he has a foundational skill set in terms of 
using his hands to, to counter and beat blocks. So, and he, and he doesn't necessarily have flexibility to win around the edge. So, I, he's a guy that I think he's going to have to be a, a, a guy that's going to make his, his waves on special teams and uh, maybe learn how to play off-ball linebacker because I just don't see him as a trench player in the NFL, certainly not a defensive tackle where he played in college or as an edge defender. And, and so for those reasons, just because I think he's a total projection, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't see the appeal. And so if I'm going to project you like that, you need to have some, like, traits about you that get me super excited. And, like, in terms of size or athletic profile, he doesn't have that. So I don't know, man. He'd, he'd, be, uh, he'd be an outlier for me if he, if he had found su- some success in the NFL. Joe, let's move on to the interior guys on the line. Yes, sir. I think this is, uh, this is one of my groups I'm most proud of because if you look at the landscape of the picks and where we valued the players, uh, we did a total of 30 interior defensive linemen this year, Joe. On 20 of these guys, you and I are within 40 spots of one another. So two-thirds of this group, we value these guys very, very similarly. Uh, go ahead, give me your top five interior defensive linemen. Mo Hurst, Michigan, number one. Taven Bryan, Florida, number two. Vita Villa, Washington, number three. Deron Payne from Alabama, number four. And Nathan Shepard from Fort Hayes State, number five. Yeah, we got the same five, just in a different order. My top five, Mo Hurst, 13 overall. Nathan Shepard, 21. Deron Payne, 22. Vita Vea is 32nd overall, all four of those guys in my top 32 prospects, and Taven Bryan, 49th overall, Joe. Yeah, so not a whole lot of, like, uh, big disparity there. Um, we, we, like the, we like those guys. We think they're the best ones in the class, and so, um, you know, we, we see very similarly there. You're, you're certainly very high on Nathan Shepard, and I want to be very, very high on him, but I, 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 I cooled myself just a little bit because I know oh, that man, it's going to be a- the Kool-Aid. Just, just embrace <laughs> it. Just drink the Kool Aid, man. I, well, I would, I would hope, um, I would want my team to draft him because I think he's going to be a good player. Um, but you know, some of the age and and um, you know the big step that he has. I know he dominated at the Senior Bowl, but I'm not here to talk down on Nathan Shepard. He's my number 55 player. I like him a ton. You have him at 21. Yeah, I, I mean, I liken him a lot to what Javon Hargrave was a couple years ago out of South Carolina State. Uh, went to Pittsburgh, his Pittsburgh starting nose tackle, and that dude's disruptive. And I saw a lot of parallels between his path and Nathan Shepard's path. Maybe not the time that Shepard spent away from football, but you know, being a part of the Senior Bowl and illustrating the fact that he belonged by physically dominating on that landscape. And it made me feel a lot better about tape that he dominated at the college level in a smaller smaller platform. So, um that's kind of the blueprint as to how and where I can bring myself to say, hey, you know what, if I believe in the nation, Nathan Shepard, put him yeah. where you got him. Well, and then if you look at 6 through 10, we have the exact same players in a slightly different order, but we see the, the top 10 tackles pretty similarly, even some guys that I think maybe the, the rest of draft media may not be as high on or familiar with, with uh, you know James Looney from Cal, both of us, he's a top 100 player, 80 for you, 94 for me. Foley Fadakusi from Connecticut, we both see him uh, in a very similar light. Um, Andrew Brown, we both have top 65 grades on him, uh, or top 65 value in this class on him. So 
you know, some guys that you don't hear a lot about, me and you are both seeing eye to eye on these, these kind of players and, and them being in the top ten tackles in this class. Right. Uh, I think one of the big discrepancies here is Derek Noddy. Uh, mm-hmm. Noddy, you have 72. And I like Derek Noddy. But Derek's probably not somebody that I'm going to have on the field. in Passing downs, I think he has some marginal upside there. Um, but by and large, he's going to be a traditional nose for me, and because I don't see uh, some of the, the same traits as like an Eddie Goldman, where I thought Eddie Goldman had better three-down value, and that's why a player like Goldman, uh, the year that Goldman came out, was my second-rated defensive tackle and a top 40, top 50 player. Uh, Nani for me is 112, so I like him. I think he has starting abilities. But I think ideally he's a two-down player where it seems like you're buying into his pass rush upside a little bit more. Is that correct? You know, I don't really buy into his his pass rush upside at all, Uh, especially, you know, he tested pretty poorly, um, you know, really, really below where you want to see a guy. Um, But, you know, I thought to myself about, you know, the guys like Dalvin Tomlinson, um, who somewhat compares favorably to him and, and, you know, how important he is to the Giants, and, and just, I, I think that, it's not that he's just like a really good run suffer. I think he's like a top-tier run suffer that just doesn't get moved, and so, it's it's not so much that I buy into his, his pass rushing potential, I just think that he's that good of a run stopper, that he's, you know, he's a third-round grade for me, so, um, and, I, and I thought he moved laterally at times on film better than his testing indicated, where he was able to kind of kind of stretch out some, some outside zone plays and stuff, but uh, certainly not not an athletic profile that translates well to pass rushing the passer at the next level. Do you remember what your comp was for him? I think it's uh, Benny Logan. Benny Logan. Okay. I had um, Andrew Billings coming Not out bad. of Baylor. You know, was, uh, his, his size is kind of similar. Where I mean, they're they're short, but their bowling ball mm-hmm. style builds can really pinball through tight spaces. Joe, one name that I feel like we need to talk about before we move on, and it's probably not for very good reasons, is Stanford's Harrison Phillips. Because this is a player that gets teased in some spaces as a potential first-round player, to which I say, baloney, watch the film. Because Harrison had a terrific season if you're reading the box score. But you yep. put on the film, and Harrison Phillips gets his ass kicked a lot. <laughs> I mean, he is uprooted off the line of scrimmage with far more frequency than I want out of an interior player. Uh, his wrestling, his ba- wrestling background does show up uh, when he's able to lock horns with guys. I think one of his best traits is his awareness to, to place the play side hand on the wrist of a blocker and make efforts to kind of discard that blocker in that regard and, and uncover. And his hustle is through the roof. He's a little bit of a pile diver and he's not going to show a good anger and he doesn't have great athletic traits. So now you got a penetration player who's not going to be successful because athletically he can't measure up to what his play style at the college level allowed him to do. And he doesn't have an anchor to play as a two-gap player at the line of scrimmage. So I don't know what you do with him, Joe. And it seems like we're both in the same boat here. He's 154 for you on your board and 190 for me. So it's not a player that either one of us is buying in on. Yeah, and that's probably 100 spots lower than you'll see from a lot of the big media guys. 
I agree with you, man. He, he just gets washed out way too frequently, and he doesn't really have the juice to be a pass rusher at the next level. So he's going to be a rotational lineman that you're going to love his hustle and effort and, and those types of things. He's going to be the guy that you know runs on the field with the American flag and puts a kid on his shoulder. You know, <laughs> that's going to be what he's going to be, and that's what he was. The I am a real American. And <laughs> that's going to be him. Man. And so if that's if that's your kind of guy, man, I want guys that can maintain the run fence. Get after the passer, and I don't get that from Harrison Phillips. Holy cow! Let's move on before Harrison finds this and favorites it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> any any other interior defenders you'd like to talk about before we move off ball, Joe? Well, I thought you were going to want to talk about Trent uh, Trenton Thompson because he's a pretty big, yeah, pretty big I mean, gap. He's the one guy, right? That he's the only guy in this position group that we're separated by more than a hundred slots on. He just didn't do it for me. Like I thought he was kind of vanilla. I remember talking to you about him before we got to the film, and I think I remember you saying, oh, you'll, you'll like his film. But, you know, he, he's an undersized guy. He's, what, under 290? 288, yeah. 288. Uh, the, I mean, he holds his gaps pretty well. He holds the line of scrimmage just fine. But I didn't really see any any upside there. I, I, don't, I don't know where you came from. Uh, with your film assessment to see him 165th on your board versus 267 for me, 102 spots lower I am than you are. But um, I just came away from his film, and I was I, he just didn't really do it for me where I didn't see any appealing traits. I didn't see any glaring bad traits, but I'm just like, I, I think he's just a guy inside. Yeah, I mean, again, here he's a fifth-round player, fifth-round grade for me, um, 165 overall, so it's not like I'm enamored with him. I, I guess I just, I do agree that he has that anchor, and I thought he had a little bit more of a of gap shooting ability to kind of work into the backfield. He, he does, he's only 288, but he's got the 34-inch arms. He tested pretty well in terms of athletically, so his, so that bumped up his score, and I just think there's enough there in terms of both an anchor and ability to penetrate that he's got, he's got some appeal to me in the fifth round, so, uh, but you know, you're not a big fan of him, so We'll, uh, we'll we'll see. Not that I am either. Fifth round grade. I'm not going to fall for this again. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, you got your guard up from last time. It's good. <laughs> I didn't realize that to the end of that rant, man. That I was like, oh my god, I'm sitting here pounding the table for a fifth round guy. Well, because I got I got trapped. Took the cheese, baby. Joe took Ready. the cheese. So off ball linebackers. Yes, Joe. We did 38 of them. And there's yes, a we lot, did. There's a lot of color on these rankings. And that's not a good thing because that means we're really dipping deep. Um, a lot of red in these rankings, the way that we have these color-coded. This is another group, though, that I, that I think we're fairly stride for stride with one another. I mean, we did 38 off-ball linebackers, and on 25 of those guys, we're within 40 spots on the board. We wow. have two glaring, I guess three glaring guys that we need to talk about in Sky Moore, Christian Sam, and to Gray Scales, because I'm notably higher on all three of those guys than you are. But Joe, before we get into where we're different, why don't we tell everyone where the, we're the same and talk about your top five? Yeah, I got Tremaine Edmonds, number one. He's my number three overall player. Roquan Smith is my number two linebacker, number six overall player. And I have Rashawn Edmonds, Rashawn Evans from Alabama. 
Leighton Vander Esk from Boise State, number four. And my fifth linebacker is Fred Warner from BYU. Same five guys, just a little different. And we both have all five of these guys in the top 50. So the valuation that we have for all these guys is very similar. Uh, Tremaine Emmons, for me, is linebacker one. Roquan Smith, linebacker two. Fred Warner, for me, linebacker three. I have him 34th on my board. Joe, you have him 49th. Uh, that's the biggest deviation that we have in the top five is 15 spots. Rashawn Evans is my linebacker four. Leighton Vander Esch is my five. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Yeah, so, I mean, one name that I think people may look at our top linebackers and not be super familiar with is Fred Warner, who you have as your number three linebacker. So, Kyle, why don't you tell the people why they need to be in on Fred Warner? Yeah, I mean, Fred is perfectly made for today's NFL. He's a great overhang linebacker in space as a scrape defender in between the hashes, but you can put him between the hashes and the numbers in the slot and have him collision routes against slot guys or linebackers. He's pretty good in zone coverage. Um, I think he's a smart football player, too. He's not the biggest guy. He's not a thumper like Roquan Smith or Rashawn Evans, where those guys really dictate physically the way that they play the game, or even Van Der Esch. But if you look at the way NFL teams are spacing out the field now, Fred Warner is a guy that makes a lot of sense because he can run. He can penetrate. He can play forward and blitz effectively. He can play zone coverage. So I look at the value that he has as a three-down player, and that's why I'm as high on him as I am having him 34th on my board. Yeah, I think he's going he's gonna to be a guy that's underdrafted and someone's going to be a good player for uh, for their team. Um, one player, I know that you had a few that, that you wanted to get into that you were notably – higher on than me, but one I want to mention real quick here, Sean Dion Hamilton from Alabama. The injuries, man, they suck, but when that guy's on the field, he's such a good football player. He's very instinctive, very physical. Uh, he can play on passing downs. He can blitz. He can obviously plug the run, get outside the tackles. I mean, I think he does everything. The problem is he's just had two season-ending injuries the last two seasons, and so that puts a, lot, a pretty big cloud over his draft stock, but if, if he was healthy going in, into this process, you know, I, I definitely think that more people would be high on him, and I understand that he's a risk, but when you just strip it down to just his film, he's good. Yeah, I think big surprise here. We got an intelligent Alabama linebacker, right? Yeah. I think that's really what it comes down to. Is he, He's so good reading his keys, and uh, Joe, I'm not high on him the way you are. You have him 59th, but I have 136. He's in the top half of my board. I do like him. I'm certainly acknowledging the fact that uh, 
there's upside there, especially if he's able to stay healthy and, and keep himself clean. And that's kind of the theme. Uh, I went the other way with a different guy, uh, Sky Moore from South Carolina, who I think is another guy, like we just got done saying with with Fred Warner, I think he's tailor-made for today's NFL. Sky Moore has like 13, 14 career interceptions. He's a pass coverage guy. Uh, but like Dion Hamilton, Sky Moore had a neck injury uh, in 2016, missed the entire season, but did come back, was able to play all of 2017, and stayed healthy for all of 2017. And uh, looked as effective in space, I thought, at what as what he was beforehand. So, uh, Joe, this is not a player that you dislike, but you're certainly nowhere near as high on him as I am. And that, of course, is an assumption that I make without access to his medicals, so I don't know what his long-term viability looks like. But that's another player that I do expect to go much later than where I have him ranked. I have him just inside my top 50 because the medicals are going to scare the hell out of some teams. And uh, we we really don't know what his medicals look like. Yeah, I mean, I think we both agree that he's a really good coverage linebacker that profiles as a pursuit-style player. Um, I just don't think that he has the athleticism that I really covet in that type of role. I mean, he didn't test well, and you really watch his tape. I think there's some noticeable tightness in how he moves and changed directions and uh, worked in space. And so I just didn't feel like he's a guy that I trust playing into the line of scrimmage very often. And then he didn't really do it for me in terms of mobility and space, where I think he translates best given his size and given what he did in college. And, um, you know, I, that, that kind of ruined the appeal for me. But I, I think he has a chance to be a really good sub-package player. Um, but I don't know about him as an every-down guy. See, probably a similar thought for De- to Gray Scales. Is that correct? You know what? I want to pull up my notes on him because he was one of the first players that I did, and I actually got a chance to see him play live this year against Virginia. And obviously I, I like the way – I like – his motor and I liked his athleticism, but I don't think I had positive reviews on his processing skills. So I'm going to pull up my notes right now. Uh, nope, I didn't have negative notes on that. I was working through contact blocks. I didn't think he could play through blocks and content very well. I thought he was blasted out of gaps and um, just that ability to kind of work laterally and slip and undercut blocks. I just didn't see it. And, and so um, that was a big concern for me. And, um, you know, I, 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 I like the way he plays. I just thought he got stuck a lot in pursuit and didn't really have a plan. Played through a straw a little bit for me. Where the hell do you come up with these these sayings? Played through a straw. <laughs> yeah, how, <laughs> hey, it's a great it's a great visual. I understand. Yeah. I, un, I can hear it and understand exactly what you're referring to. I just I want just to know where it came from. Tabular. I just challenge myself to think of these things because you you write so many reports. You've written more reports than I have, and I just try to be as it brings something different. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, plays through a straw. I think yeah. it's a fair criticism. But again, I I also think about the way the games played these days. Yeah, and I'm a little less apprehensive to think that there's not ways that I can still utilize him in space. Yeah, and I I have a fourth round grade on him, so I think he has yeah. starter potential. I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't. Hate him. I just want to see him get a little bit cleaner with uh, working through contact. Any parting thoughts here? I mean, I'm kind of working through. We're pretty close on a lot of these guys. Um, 
Jack Sitchie's a guy that we're a little different on, but you know, it's, you, you have him just outside your top 100, so I'm not going to sit here and say you don't like him. Jannard Avery's kind of an interesting one where you're a little lower on him at 87. I know he's a popular name. Um, Malik Jefferson we should probably talk about, right? Yeah, yeah sure. This, this is a household, it's a household name. This yeah. is a five-star recruit, three-year starter Texas, entering the year was a, considered a consensus first-round prospect. Kyle has him 98th. Joe has him 101st. Joe, thoughts on Malik Jefferson? I mean, he's super physically talented. I love I love when he's able to just attack and close down distances and, and tackle when he doesn't have to think. But when he's tasked with having to process something and really play off his keys and find a good path to the football based on where the you know, where the play tells him it's going, at, he really, really struggles. And so that mental side of the game, I don't think it's really there. He's kind of like the Josh Allen of linebackers, if you will. I love the physical skill set. And if you can just get him in an attacking role, I think he can help you. But... You know, he's going to have to learn the mental side of the game, and so I don't know that he can't do that, but I think it's going to take some time. So he profiles more as like that eventual starter-type player than a guy that I think I'm going to get any returns right away from. And so he's a high fourth-round grade for me, um, kind of similar to where I have uh, to Gray Scales. Um, but uh, you know, I think he can come together. I think he could be a high upside player, but there's a chance that you know it doesn't all click and he's just a guy that is never in his fits and he's a liability too. Certainly fair criticisms. I would agree with everything that you said as far as strengths, weaknesses, uh, upside. It's there. It's just a question of how much can you rely on a player to develop as a three-year starter from the very get-go, and he's been the exact same player every single year. It's a little scary. Yep. Yep. With you. Corners? Let's do it. Let's talk some corners. Okay, I'm going to cut you off, Joe. I'm going to talk about my top five corners right here real quick. Denzel Ward, Jair Alexander are tied for CB1 in my rankings. Josh Jackson, Iowa, is CB2. Mike Hughes, UCF, is CB4. So Josh Jackson, CB2, he's CB3. Hughes, CB4. And Holton Hill from Texas is my fifth-rated corner in this year's class. I've got Jair Alexander, number one, Denzel Ward, number two, Josh Jackson, number three, Mike Hughes, number four, and Carlton Davis, Auburn, cornerback, number five. And, and here's something interesting before we kind of dig in. I've got two with first-round grades, I've got two with second-round grades, and then that's it. So I'm, I'm not super high in this corner class, and you know that the NFL loves to draft their defensive backs, but I don't know if you're going to get them at corner this year. Yeah, this is a rough year for it. Uh, I have no first-round grades. I have two early twos on Warden-Alexander. I'm sorry, three early twos, Ward-Alexander and Josh Jackson. Hughes is a, is a two, and Holton Hill is a three. So I'm with you where, let's be fair, There's I think this cor- cornerback position is one of the most scheme-specific. So yep. it's, it's hard to get the valuation right. Because if you're evaluating everybody in the same what can he and can't he do mentality, you're going to get a lot of variance from each and every individual team because they're not going to be looking for, well, can he play off man? They only care, can he play cover three or can he play press man or is he cover two or is he nickel? Depending on what they need, it's going to be, that's going to be the dictating factor for them. Whereas us, we're evaluating all the guys putting them through the same all-encompassing template, 
So, for example, Isaiah Oliver, player who's in my top 100, wouldn't be surprised at all if he goes in the first round. At the end of the first round, it's press man corner, right? But I see him sure. in, in some of his off situations, and I see him in zone situations, and he's not the best click and close defender, and that makes me lower on him. But if a team like New England at 31 wants to draft a press corner to replace Malcolm Butler and they pull the trigger on Isaiah Oliver, I wouldn't blink twice. It's just it's just corner is one of those difficult positions because of how scheme-specific it has to be for the teams. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and these teams are just going to have different valuations to different teams, and it's, it's, it's a contrast to what we do. I was surprised that you didn't have a one on Jair Alexander just from our discussions with him with, about him, and maybe it came down to some of the peripheral stuff, but... Man, I thought his 2016 was, was first-round tape all day long. Yeah, both he and Denzel Ward had really good film scores for me. Uh, both of them, the metrics did hurt him a little bit. Jair did test both of these guys. Uh, their testing resulted in a, their, their plus size-adjusted athletes. They're not overly experienced, and they didn't have terrific per game production their per start production was good um and if uh, if i would have just watched 2016 jair might have scored a little higher but i don't think it would have been enough to give him a first round value uh, sure. so, so uh, these guys are were both firmly planted between 20 and 30 35 on the draft board regardless just because they there's no universal guy, right? Like I just got done talking about how it's a complicated position group because there's scheme-specific restrictions. It's not a problem if you're a Jalen Ramsey, right, where like you can put him in any situation you know you're going to get a stud. Mike CB once from the past couple of years, William Jackson was that way. Jalen Ramsey was that way. Marcus Peters was that way. So uh, if you've got scheme-diverse guys, then that's the guys that you see get the first-round grades for me traditionally. So for me, my, my apprehensions with Denzel and Jair were um, there's some size restrictions there. Jair, I think, is probably the closest to a scheme uh, transcendent player. And then Josh Jackson is very much his own corner right now. He's got press upside, but he's not there yet. So because each one of those guys, I have some questions um, in their universal appeal. That's why they ended up 25, 26, and 30 on my big board. What about Danny Johnson, Kyle? Your 78th oh, player, my sixth corner. Goodness, like he is fun, man. I can see him maybe never being like a dominant boundary corner, but his ball skills are tremendous. His clicking close is really nice, and um, he dominated that level of competition coming out of Southern. So Danny Johnson, small school kid, but again, what are the boxes that I say to look for in a small school prospect? You want a guy that physically dominates the competition, which he did with his short area quickness and ball skills and anticipation. A guy that has dominant production, which he does, athletically holds up his end of the bargain and shows that he belongs on this stage, which he did. So because of those things, I see really fun, exciting tape, and I'm going to buy into the upside here because he checks those boxes that I need from small school kids. 
Yeah, you know, there's a small score, small school corner that I like in this draft. That's Ron Johnson from from Weber State. He's a guy that I'm much higher on than you. Um, I think that he's interchangeable. I think that's what I love so much about him. He was asked to play so many different techniques, and I thought he did it well. I think he's pretty fluid. Doesn't have great long speed, but I love his physicality as well. And so, when you can play multiple techniques, when you have good ball production, when you are physical, I like that. And he's a player that really popped for me on tape um, as well. Forty game starter. I mean, he really he really played well across four seasons for Weber State, and he's a guy. He's my small school guy that I like. Just Joy, a different different first name. I have one question for you before we move on. Okay. Who is the guy that you have rated in the back half of your big board who you could see becoming a plus starter for somebody in the right scheme? And I'll let you think about that because my answer I'll give you right now is Kevin Tolver from LSU. I think mm-hmm. if you put him in a press situation, he's got a ton of upside. And he's a guy we, we valued similarly. He's in the 220s in my, my big board, so he's not very high up there. He's very scheme-dependent. But if you put Kevin Tolver in press situations consistently and you give him vertical safety help to help protect him because he doesn't have great turn and run or long speed, very physical, very long. That's a player I like a lot. I'll go with Greg Stroman from uh, Virginia Tech. I've talked to him about him on this uh, podcast several times. He's my number 178 player overall, my number 21 corner, fifth-round grade on him. But I think he's one of the smartest players in the class. I love him in off-man. I like him in zone. I, I don't want him up on the line of scrimmage having to get jams or anything like that. But uh, mm-hmm. I think he's sticky. He remains in phase. He plays the ball extremely well. And how he competed at the catch point this past season, I mean, he was just dominant. It was hard to complete passes on him. And he gives you that return game upside. I just know that he's gonna, the coaches are going to love him and that he can do a lot of different things. And I think he's going to have one of those long careers we look back on and, and, and say, you know, he was a steal for somebody on day three. Any parting thoughts on corners before we move to the safety group? I want to hear you talk about Christian Campbell. Um, we, we're really different here. He's a top 100 player for you. He's 217 for me. I'm 122 spots lower. And, uh, you know, just curious. It, it, I know he's scheme-specific, but what about that makes him a top 100 player for you? I mean, I think his, his profile fits the part. Um, he's not a. Let me preface it by saying this: he's not a great tackler, but he's got great tackling upside. Uh, I've seen him slide off some tackle attempts, but his range and area of influence as a head-up tackler. Uh, there's another guy in that same tier that I value, Quentin Meeks. I see him in the same light as I see Quentin Meeks. Uh, Campbell can drop the boom on you if he's playing up into the line of scrimmage. Uh, if he's got to chase you, that's where I saw some of the missed tackles. So he does need to clean that up, but I think he has the size and the length as a tackler to be able to be effective in that regard. And, uh, this player I have a third-round grade on, so you know, as you said, he's, he's at the end of my top 100. Uh, I, don't know, I, thought, I thought I saw a smaller football player. I saw a guy that understood routes, I thought he had some good anticipation when he was playing out in space. So I uh, pieced those things together with the size profile that he had and ended up being a player that I liked reasonably well. And I, I suppose you didn't quite see it the same way. <laughs> well, he, I think he's the one guy when I, you know, I finish everything out and I start getting interested in how other people stacked up their boards. And I'm like, man, there are people that I like, like analysts that I respect and like, 
that like Christian Campbell, he's a six-round grade for me. Like, so I wanted to just kind of hear from you, and, and you know, he's he's a player that I, I mean, obviously, I don't I don't see the same. I don't have the same valuation on, and I just didn't. I thought I saw a very stiff player who, who you know, I just don't. Corners they got to be able to move; they can't be tight. So I, I don't know. I, he just he, he rubbed me the wrong way with that. So I thought he was more of a reserve special teamer. But he's a guy that I'm anxious to, to learn from, see how he does, right. and see if I maybe maybe was too harsh on him in some areas. And that's always interesting, right? Because sometimes you watch a player. I fall victim to this a lot, and I'm not saying you fell victim to anything. But yeah. it's always interesting when you watch a player on film, and sometimes there's that one thing that stands out, and you just can't shake it, right? Yeah. And it, all of a sudden, you see it everywhere. Like, every play, there's something that he does. Like, he could be in a bucket step. He can be trying to, to lean into a tackle attempt, and you're like, man, he's, he, he's stiff. He can't move. And it just gets frustrating at certain, at certain times for you. Is that something you experienced with him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's it's something that happened with Quentin Meeks. And it wasn't one time with Quentin Meeks. He's like over and over again. I'm like, my goodness, you are fighting through tightness. And I love the physicality, but it's like, man, are you going to be able to remain in phase out of turns? Like, I don't know. And so Quentin Meeks is another player that I I was just couldn't get the tightness out of my head. I even started, you know, uh, started saving some clips and some gifts and sharing it with uh, you guys in our NDT thread. Like, man, I don't know. Like. I don't know if this guy can turn. Which so, is crazy because yeah, he tested I, super well. Right. Right? Like, right. He's the Jordan Willis of corners now. Or it's like, <laughs> That's right. Like, the transitions, it didn't make sense. And then he yeah. goes out and runs like one of the best three cones in the class. And it's like, where the hell yep. was this? Yeah, wild. Closure for a loop. It's a funny game we play here with the, uh, the Draft Dudes podcast. Joe, let's talk corner or safeties. We want to talk some safeties here. Uh, so I love this safety class, Kyle. Yeah, clearly. I love Go it. ahead. Take the take the reins here. <laughs> well, I I, uh, I think this is one of the best position groups in the entire class. I've got Minka, Fat, Minka Fitzpatrick, number one, my number five overall player. Derwin James, number eight overall, uh, my number two safety. Justin Reed out of Stanford is is uh, my number three safety. All first-round grades in those, uh, those safeties. And then I have Jesse Bates from Wake Forest as my fourth, and Ronnie Harrison out of Alabama as my fifth, and I like all those players. <laughs> Uh, my top five are Minka, Derwin, Justin Reed, Jesse Bates, Deshaun Elliott for me is my safety five. And here's where we differ, Joe, because Deshaun Elliott is my safety five, and you have him higher on your big board than I do. I think you had all yep. five of your top five were top uh, top 35 players for you, according to your board. So you very clearly value these guys very highly. Uh, I'm with you on the first four. I expect Justin Reed to go in the first round. Love that fit with Pittsburgh at 28, especially if the run on linebackers goes like we think it might. Uh, I do have an early two on him on film, but he's 44th on my board. So the values there would not be bad for Pittsburgh if they chose to pull the trigger there. Mink is top 10 for me. Derwin's top 15 for me. Uh, Jesse Bates is 63rd for me. It's pretty weird for us to have the same value on a player, second-round value. Joe has him 31st, I have him 63rd, and now I come across, uh, like, I don't like the freaking guy. Like, I like Jesse Bates. Well, Joe, my question with you for Jesse Bates is, where do you see him? Is he a free or a strong for you? Free, big I time. Totally I think you can play him deep zones, man, and he, he he's a, I, you know, it's so cliche, but it's so true. He's got that ba- that, ba- that baseball background. He just knows how to play center field, man, and track it and, and take, 
terrific angles to the football, and his coverage IQ is just exceptional. And um, I like him. I like him a lot. I think he can be a guy that steps in right away. So you want him to be a little bit more consistent of a finisher as a tackler, but it's not because he doesn't want to hit. So, uh, man, and Jesse Bates is a guy that I wish I knew more about in season. It seemed like it was afterwards. We're like, okay, we need to watch this guy. Oh, crap, he's good. You know, when I was out at Wake Forest for the, for the game against Louisville, I wish I would have known that I needed to pay more attention to him. Dude, those traps never stop. Like, right, he's a redshirt sophomore. So you go to the yeah. game and you're like, oh, he's draft eligible, and he might stand out on a couple plays, but he never really, you never really make the note when you're right. there in person because there's so much to watch in a game yeah. like that. So, uh yeah, same way. We're like, I I got through a couple <clears throat> Virginia Tech games. I went to to two or three Virginia Tech games live this year, and I come back and there's like Tim Settle never really stood out to me in the live games that I went to because I'm watching Tremaine Edmonds and I'm watching the corners. You know, Fakeson was highly regarded before the season, and Adonis Alexander was highly regarded in season, and Greg Stroman's there, and you know they got Terrell Edmonds as the other safety. And then there's a player on the offensive side of the ball. So it's really easy in live viewings to get some of these guys lost. And Bates being one of those guys for you, I totally agree. You know, had I known Bates, we, we got a second-round player on the on the back end, and Duke Edgefor is a defensive end, I'd have gone out of my way to watch more Wake Forest. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of draft eval, because you can actively want to watch Wake Forest play a football game in, like, the end of September. I'll tell you what, though, and not to get on this Wake Forest thing, that was a fun team this past year. Yes, it was. Uh, and, and, and I know they lost a lot of their guys, their quarterback, and uh, in, in in he was fun. He's not really going to make a name for himself in the NFL. But I think that program might be on the up and up. Maybe, yeah, And when I say on the up and up, they can win six, seven, eight games on a yearly basis as opposed to be being embarrassed on a you know an ACC schedule on a yearly you know basis. I, I think there's some upside coming out of that program. I totally agree. Joe, Safety was another group. We did 20 of these guys, and we were within 40 spots of one another on 13 of them. There's two that stand out, one for each of us. Should I talk about Quinn Blanding first, or should you talk about Terrell Edmonds first? Let me, let me mention Terrell Edmonds here, because um, I, I liked him a lot more than you did. Um, I think he has a lot of appeal for me. He's a size-speed guy. He's physical. I think he can really be that box safety who, who comes down in, can make plays against the run. I think he can play in split zones. You don't want him playing single high. Um, processing skills, not quite there, but I love his urgency. I love his aggression. I love his ability to finish as a tackler. So I think this is going to be a guy that's a high-quality special teamer, box safety, a guy that can really help you on sub-packages and do some different things and kind of kind of fill those roles. You see these types of players all the time now with, with like Cam Chancellor, what he was able to do. Uh, with Seahawks and, and some of the other guys that they moved to like linebacker, not, not necessarily like Mark Barron and Yoni Buchanan playing full-time at the second level, but I think there's some, some appeal to these types of players in today's NFL where these defenses have to cover every blade of glass on the field. And you have a guy that can, can move like this but also is strong and physical. I, I can see him carving out a role in being a very productive player for the right scheme. He just doesn't do everything. I get that. Uh, I thought he's a terrific athlete. I just had thought personally thought he did had very little idea what he was watching in front of him. <laughs> uh, big concern there when you don't know what's going on. Um, Edmonds, yep. uh, poor angles too. 
I saw him get over aggressive a lot, trying to charge up, and then he had to readjust late and ran himself out of some tackle attempts. So that's kind of where I had the apprehensions with him. Joe Quinn Blanding, I already know you're going to tell me he's not an athlete to play in the back end, and that's fine. I have a vision for him. This is a guy that has to play a certain type of role. He's not an every-down player. He's not a deep safety. But he's an effective tackler. He's a smart football player. And I think athletically he can hold up if you're playing him against tight ends, if you're playing him in either in his face bump and run, or if you're playing him in the middle of the field as a zone defender. So what does that sound like? He's a linebacker. I think he's a nickel linebacker, not a deep safety. So what the Cardinals did with Deion Buchanan, you're going to have to get a team that's willing to get a little creative and is okay with guys that play around 215, 220 on the second level for him to reach his ceiling. But if you put him in that role, I think he can be an effective football player even if he's not the most versatile football player. So that's why Queen Blanding is 87th on my big board, extremely productive, extremely smart. Um, I think physically he's a good tackler. He's just not a good cover guy. So there's value there. It's just not in the traditional sense. It sounds like uh, you, you think he's a, a smarter, less athletic Terrell Edmonds. <laughs> but I, I like Quinn yeah, Blanding more Edmonds than... couldn't tackle. Uh, okay. Oh, I, I like Quinn Blanding Go more. Ahead. Ahead. I said I, I like Quinn, Quinn Blanding more than my grade indicated because, I mean, obviously a lot of things really brought his, brought his score down but in terms of the size and athletic ability. But I thought he was a super smart football player, and he made a ton of plays in college, and it just, it just didn't have the juice. And so it's interesting that you're considering him in a true, like, hybrid role. Um, where he played, they asked him to play deep a lot, and they moved him around a ton at Virginia. But they didn't do a lot know, of favors at Virginia. No, they didn't. But I, I didn't. I didn't think that. You know, I got nervous about the ideas for him covering tight ends and stuff, and and really having to cover ground. But if you take that away, then yeah, I think he has a niche role that he can help a team. But I mean, I think he's. I think he's limited. So sure, now, it's score. a very specific set of parameters that I think you'd have to put him into to be successful. So if you're going to play him in a quote-unquote linebacker spot, and you're going to ask him to play 10 yards off the ball and then cover guys, he's going to get eaten up. It's, but this was the frustrating thing, right? Virginia, it seemed like what they did best this past year was put guys in suboptimal, uh, suboptimal situations to, to perform best of their strengths. You saw this with Andrew Brown. You saw this with Quinn Blanding. Like, you're going to play Quinn Blanding deep middle? Really? You're going to play Andrew Brown as a two-gap guy on the interior? Really? <laughs> so, I think both of those guys, I think their traits give them the opportunity to be successful at the next level, but it's not a one-to-one -one correlation with where they played at the college level. That's fair enough. We see that from Michigan as well, too. Yes. Just like, what are you doing with your yes. players? Washington State. 240 nose tackle, Mason Cole playing left tackle. Yeah, why are they? Uh, why are they draft? Why are they recruiting people like Cody O'Connell to play guard? And how is he getting on the field? Like, I just—that's wild, isn't it? That's wild. I mean, like, where where did we have? Man, how this thing's going to take a turn for the worse here, real quick. 
um, lowest rated football players. Um, okay. Cody O'Connell, your worst rated player. Cody right. O'Connell was 298 for me. Like, not a draftable grade at all. Um, Christian Lockett is bad. Yes. And, Andre Smith really bad. Uh, Khalil McKenzie, not not great. Surprised oh, I had a two ninety one. Yeah, I am three. I am three hundred. Yeah, it's not. It's like if only his father was an NFL general manager that could tell him, you know, about where he should be valued. <laughs> Michael Hill, no. Ohio State, another guy that neither one of us really liked. Two ninety and two ninety five. Yeah, he no, didn't move the needle for me. Stephen Richardson. I mean, what what is this guy gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, you gave me a hard time about having Steve on the list. I like Steve only because you don't. You have him two eighty eight on your you board. Two ninety four. I like him more than you. Okay. <laughs> I was, he's a, I get. He's a good college football player. I don't think he can make it. Yeah, and and that's kind of this last tier, right? Like we have our last probably fifteen twenty names, twenty names. Uh, Joel. Joel Lanning, Courtney Love, Anthony Winbush, um, Stephen Richardson, Deion Yelder, Ray Ray McLeod, Mike Daniels, Braxton Berrios, like these names, Jalen Wilkerson, they're good college players. But I think that's where you draw the line, right? And that, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, you see some of these guys are very productive at the college level, but neither one of us are prescribing that any of these guys have translatable traits to play at the NFL level. Agreed. Oh, you're not going to find 300 good players every year. It's just right. not going to happen. Right. Any parting thoughts as we wrap up and culminate the Battle of the Boards, Joe? This one ran a little long this time. I love it. Well, I mean, it, it's always going to continue here. We've got, what, I think less than 20 days here to the NFL draft, so we'll, we're going to keep talking about it, you know, so we'll, we'll get into some of our discrepancies as we go. But um, by and large, I think the class, and when you look at it as a whole, it's really – it's really interesting. I love the safety class, obviously. I think the quarterbacks, you know, I think there's some good quarterbacks this year, right? Like, not to, like, steer it back there, but, you know, you're going to see maybe four to six go in the first round, at least four, maybe six, you know, and so, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun year for that, and, and we've got some some pretty bold opinions. I think there would be a lot of look back at this class, the success, comparing to how you value the players. I think we're going to learn a lot of good case studies this year. Yeah, it's um, looking forward to these last couple weeks to really put a bow on things and culminate this class. It's been a fun 10-month journey for us and always fun to wrap it up with this uh, battle of the boards where we go back and forth and kind of justify some of our takes and opinions on guys. Uh, But, Joe, that's going to do it for us here today on uh, Draft Dudes. Saturday, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you have any feedback, want to let us know what you think, you can uh, reach us on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. Make sure you hit subscribe, follow up with Draft Dudes for these last three weeks, this final stretch that we have before the 2018 NFL Draft. Swing on our NDTScouting.com and FanRag Sports. Joe and I write in weekly columns and daily columns, depending on which site you visit. Uh, FanRag, we're putting out several stuff a week. NDT Scouting. Ideally, every day, like to finish strong, keep pounding. Thanks for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino, and we will catch up with you beginning of next week, guys. 
Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.